Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. That's right. It's time for the Eddie and Webby Podcast. Yo, I'm going to bust out some theme song action for you. Check it out. The Eddie and Webby Show is the place to be. They're talking about beer and pickleball and technology. So if you didn't know, now you know. Because it's time for the Eddie and Webby Show. On today's episode, Eddie and Webby eat the last of their Thanksgiving leftovers. This is the Eddie and Webby Podcast. First person voted off the podcast is, oh, sorry, Eddie, but the tribe has spoken. Oh, hey, how's it going? This is Webby, not Eddie. And I'm Eddie, and this is our 79th podcast. Oh, yeah. Episode number 79. And Eddie, can you believe it? Our next episode is number 80. How is that possible? And the last one was number 78. But it yeah, doesn't matter. You want to know why? Because I, I was voted off today. So that's it. That's that's all. That's all for me, right? Yeah. Really sorry to hear that, Eddie. But yeah, the, the tribe <laughs> spoke, and you're out of here, man. <laughs> that's right. Well, I will be letting you do most of the conversation today here, and I'm going to be managing social media, which is always a lot of fun. Because guess what, Webby? What? We're live. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. And for the let's say five people that care. We are live on Twitch as well, and this is meant to be interactive. So if you if you have any questions or comments for us, but probably more likely for our guests tonight, please feel free to throw them down in the chat, and we might be able to bring them up. Right, Webby? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, please. We love interaction. Our guest loves interaction, so go ahead and interact. That's right. And just so you guys know, too, after the podcast, we are going to be bringing it down and coming right back with another episode of Dinking Around with Eddie and Webby, where we may have another special guest there as well. So if you guys want to have a little post-podcast fun with us, stick around for that too. Yeah, always a fun time. This is definitely going to be a, a very fun night, no doubt. That's right. Well, Webby, I think that people are probably like, yeah, yeah, we're sick of hearing you. We want to get to your guest tonight. But before we do, I want to know, the world wants to know, the universe wants to know, what is going on in Twitter? Ah, uh, yes, Twitter. Good old Twitter.com. Let's go ahead and pull up Twitter on my handheld device here, see what's going on on the Twitter sphere. Here is a tweet from Jed Probst. I was blown away by the musical performances from Ashley and Patrick of Jigsaw Health during episode 78 of the Eddie and Webby podcast. They were such fun guests. Well, thank you, Jed. And yeah, I agree. Ashley and Patrick were super fun guests. I mean, they... <laughs> Did a musical performance, a couple musical performances. Yeah. Uh, it's such fun people. It was a great night. Yeah, on the spot, they were able to just come out with all that musical performance. It was awesome. Yeah, very cool. All right, let's do another tweet. Here's one from Fart Paul Gosler. I sure hope Tyson Apostle helps make our dreams come true and causes Eddie and Webby to get voted off the world of podcasting. Jeez. Yeah. Ouch. It's not a very nice fart. I don't appreciate that. No, I mean, Eddie already got voted off. So, I mean, you want both of us to get voted <laughs> off? That's not, right. not nice at all. There'd be no show. What, There'd you don't be like no show, show without Eddie and Webby, guys. Why waste your time tweeting if you don't even like our show, man? Yeah. Knock but, it off, uh, fart. Right. All right. Let's do, let's do one more 
Twitter message. Here's one from Danny Bavito. I saw a post on Instagram about a new video series Eddie and Webby are doing called Webby versus Everybody. What is that all about? Yeah, what is that well, all that about, is, Webby? That is a great question, Danny. And that is a brand, a brand new video series that we just started doing this week. Uh, it's called Webby versus Everybody. And basically what I'm going to be doing uh, for the foreseeable future is I'm going to be uh, challenging people to a singles match. And it's going to be people that are typically much more skilled than I am. And it's the, the purpose of it is for me to try and become a better singles player because, let's face it, I, I really suck at singles pickleball and I want to get better. And I figured, what's a, what's a better way to get better than play people that are way better than me? Uh, the first episode featured Kyle Worthy. Uh, he's a local player near me that is very good. Uh, we had a very fun battle. And the next few episodes are going to be super exciting. Some awesome, awesome guests that I have with me. I actually can't believe... I got some of them to uh, agree to play against me, but you're going to want to stay tuned. There's going to be a couple professional level players featured. Um, sometimes I might even play people my own skill level just to mix things up. You never know. You never know who's going to be on an episode. If you want to be on an episode, let me know. Who knows? We, maybe we can work it out. I look forward to seeing more of them. But yeah, that's it for the Twitter sphere today. Nice. But uh, I think we should just... Uh, enough, enough about Eddie and I. I think it's time to get to our special guest tonight. Tonight's guest is another very exciting one for us. He was a professional cyclist that competed on the extremely popular television show Survivor, not once, but four times. In fact, he even ended up winning the whole thing during his third appearance on the show. In addition to his impressive resume there, he is an avid pickleball player. And like most people tuning into this podcast, he is very, very passionate about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Tyson Apostle. How's it going, man? What's up, everybody? I'm great. How are you? I, I had to run and grab my glasses because I did not <laughs> want to be the odd man out. And uh, especially if we are losing Eddie, as seems to be the case, RIP Eddie, uh, then, I mean, somebody with sunglasses has to be his uh, successor, right? That's right. You are absolutely right. I love it. Uh, this is awesome, though, man. I'm very excited that you're able to join us here tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, to be honest, uh, w what was more exciting for you, winning Survivor or getting booked to appear on the Eddie oh, and Oh, for sure. Show? Yeah, this for sure. I didn't even have to wait for you to finish that question. Nice. That's 100%. what I figured. I, yeah. I knew it. I, I just wanted yeah. to kind of The only reason I went on Survivor in the first place was like to hopefully one day finagle my way onto this podcast. And uh, I can't believe it's happening. Well, congrats. Mission accomplished. Thank you. you did it. So. <laughs> nice. Um, so I actually, I want to start off getting to learn a little bit more about you and your background. Uh, but before we do that, I, I'm just, <laughs> my throat is a little dry. It's uh, cold oh, here no. in Michigan. The furnace is kicking real dry. I need to wet my palate. I don't know about you. I don't know about Eddie. I know Eddie got voted off, but Eddie, I think it's, I think it's okay for you to come back on okay. and, uh, I can come back and now? talk about, what, yeah, you can come back and talk about what you're drinking tonight. If, if you have something to drink, do you? I do actually. Uh, so I was at Publix today and I'm always a big fan of Funky Buddha Brewery. They're out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, a couple hours from here. And they have this mixology series and this one is called Paloma. And I bought this purely because it's Funky Buddha and because it was a special series. I don't know what it tastes like or anything like that, but I'm excited to try it out. Nice. Very nice. Um, I will be drinking something uh, from a Michigan brewer. Uh, this is one I've never had it before, but it's another another case of something that I bought just because I love the labeling on it. And this is from Pigeon Hill Brewing Company. 
and it's called Shifting Sands Classic IPA. And if the camera picks it up here, it's uh, it's got a very old school Nintendo Mario vibe going on, and I love it. That that brought me in. It caught my attention. And this brewer uh, brewery is in Muskegon, Michigan. So I'm excited to try this out. I always love trying local craft breweries uh, products. Nice. Um, what about you, Tyson? What are you going to be sipping on this evening? So I stopped in at the uh, mom and pop shop down uh, the way, and uh, they recommended this. Uh, I guess it's just a local uh, local soda company, and I've never heard of them before, and thought I'd give it a whirl. Uh, it's called uh, Dr Pepper, I think, and <laughs> oh, nice. uh, it's got twenty three uh, unique flavors all blended into one soda, which is crazy to think. Oh, wow. And uh, they are out of uh, Plano, Texas. So, okay. yeah, pretty exciting. I'll, uh, let you know how it tastes and, uh, who knows, maybe they have a, uh, another fan over here. So very nice. Sounds like a, sounds like a delicious craft soda there from that, uh, local, local company there. And, uh, yeah, cheers. cheers guys. I'm, I'm actually drinking out of my brand new Eddie and wow. Webby pint glass this evening. Oh, so. Fantastic. Cheers. We're all about the branding here. Um, you probably couldn't notice from everything in my basement having the Eddie and Webby logo on it. <laughs> Except for your hat. Right. Got to represent the D. Got to represent the D here in Detroit. But, I used uh, to have a Detroit hat. Oh, nice. Very nice. You have nice taste in hats there. I like it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, my palette is, is nice and wet now, so we can continue with the show. Um, so like I was saying, I'd, I'd like to learn a bit more about your background. So where did you live growing up and how did you end up becoming a professional cyclist? Um, I lived in Utah growing up and uh, my parents kind of threw me in all the sports. Like I did pretty much everything except for football. And uh, my dad was into cycling, mountain biking to be more specific. And my mom was a swimmer. So I did both of those sports. I actually swam in college on scholarship before dropping out and moving to Europe to race road bikes. And so I just raced the mountain bike circuit, raced the national circuit as a junior, like under 18 competitor, and then uh, made the transition to road racing because that's how you make money racing a bike is racing on the road, not on the dirt. So I uh, moved to Europe with a bike and a, uh, a bike in a box and a suitcase full of clothing and uh, ended up living there for six years, racing uh, professionally. Utah is a pretty uh, heavy cycling state. So, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, a little uh, nudge from my parents to choose the sport of uh, their interest. And then I settled into it. So that's how I did it, I think. All right. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big guy. Uh fan of mountain biking i haven't done it much the last couple of years I, honestly since i got into pickleball i haven't done That's much of the, uh, my, my previous hobbies um so we're definitely going to get into some survivor discussions but that'll be a little bit later i, I do want to get right to some pickleball talk here uh so i first learned that you're a pickleball player when you were featured in an issue of pickleball magazine earlier this year uh, so how long have you been playing pickleball and how'd you first get into it yeah. I mean, first off, let's uh, go back to that magazine. I was the centerfold, dude. That was pretty cool, right? right? Centerfold, yeah. you open it up, hang it on your wall, something to be proud of. I uh, I have been playing pickleball. So I moved to Arizona from Utah like three years ago. And uh, the community I live in 
has a bunch of pickleball courts. And I just was like, well, I'm paying the HOA fees. I may as well utilize everything here. So uh, I bought some wooden paddles and just started inviting a neighbor to go with me. And we were playing and like would Google the rules and figure it all out on our own. And uh, then the HOA was doing these morning meetups at the at the pickleball courts and stuff. So I got in it into it that way and was playing like sporadically. Like I would play like maybe a couple times a month or something and just worked my way up from there. And uh, yeah, got probably got more serious into it like a year and a half ago where I had gotten my brother-in-laws into it. And we were meeting up re- more regularly to play and got some nice paddles and, uh, and just a snowball effect from there. Very nice. So have you done many pickleball tournaments? Um, I have done a couple tournaments. I actually went to Branson, Missouri earlier this year and played like a, it was a super fun tournament, uh, in the Branson convention center, uh, called the, uh, Branson championship experience. And then before that I had gone up to Prescott, which is like a two hour drive from where I am to play a tournament. Um, other than that, I mostly, I mean, tournaments for me take a, a, a long time. I have two little kids at home and, uh, and you know, I'm, I don't, do you have kids? I do. Yep. They're both teenagers now, but I do have kids. Oh, okay. So like the trade-off is, is if I go and play a tournament, then now, uh, I have to take the kids for like five days straight by myself while my wife goes and does her thing. So yeah, it's, you. uh, you know, it's a balance of time and stuff. So I play tournaments yep. when I can, but when I can't, I meet up, I like to meet up with competitive groups. There's a couple competitive groups out here in Arizona that I play with a little bit in Scottsdale, a little bit in Mesa. And, uh, I try to get out there as much as I can. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds pretty much exactly like what I got going on. The, the, the balancing act can definitely be tough. So I definitely don't do as many tournaments as I'd like to do, but uh, doing rec play with, especially with high, with good level players, is, is where it's at for me as well. So, what would you say your skill level is? Do you, do you know what your skill level is, or what around what area you're at? Yeah, I'm like a four, four, five, depending on the day and my partner. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, so that nice. that's it. Yeah, yeah, a four or four or five, uh, and. I I think I'm improving. I don't think like I'm 41. So at some point you probably, or maybe you just have to shift your uh, skills to, to different aspects of the game rather than rely on youth and speed and power and strength. So uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been exciting to meet a lot of new people. Uh, I've already made tons of new friends. It's fun to be part of a, a network. Like, uh, I mean, I've been, in a lot of different networks, but the pickleball definitely had, there is a lot of uh, in, enthusiasm in the world of pickleball. And so that's always exciting to be a part of. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It, I, I have never had a, such an increase in the amount of friends I've had in my life. <laughs> like I have once I got into pickleball, like in the last three years, easily over a hundred, maybe even a couple hundred new friends that I've made through pickleball and and not just like not just like online facebook friends i mean like actual legitimate friends that i could call up and get a game of pickleball in pretty much at any time if i'm in their area and stuff i mean it's just something it's something so unique about pickleball that brings people together like that i love it doesn't matter where i'm at thanks to all the apps out there that show like where you can play pickleball like i feel like i can i can be anywhere in the country and 
even a, a lot of different parts of the world and be able to find somebody to play pickleball with. Yeah, it's true. And that's, uh, that is exciting. I, I travel a lot to play poker this year. I have not. Uh, and last year I went to Reno and just like looked up a tennis center and started taking like a herd of poker players over to the pickleball courts every morning before the poker tournaments would start. And, uh, they've all gotten into it. They've all bought paddles. And now like, there's even like a little community of poker players who also play pickleball. And so, yeah, just, uh, sharing the gospel of pickleball with the world or trying to. Very nice. Now I've seen online, uh, that it's been said that you're the world's number one pickleball influencer. Uh, is there any truth to that or data to back that up or where, where did that come from? I mean, it's trademarked. So if anybody else wants to take that from me, they're going to have to buy it from me and it will not be cheap. So, oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so something kind of funny, shortly after we booked you to be on our show, I actually saw a post in the Pickleball Forum and it made me laugh because somebody mentioned your name and then there was a response to that comment and they said that there's there's no way that you can be considered the num- number one Pickleball personality uh, because as long as there's somebody by the name of Scott Golden out there, he's got uh-huh. that title. And uh, so we actually got in, in touch with Scott Golden and he sent us a little video message for you. So Eddie, oh, cool. I'd say we should go ahead and <laughs> play the video. Hey Tyson, Scott Golden here. I know we've never officially met before, but I hear you're big time into pickleball now. Uh, I know a little bit about your background that you won uh, Survivor, I think back in 2012 or 2013. And uh, I know that you're a great competitor and I like your videos so far. I've watched a little bit on your stuff and I, I like your energy. I actually saw you did a Nasty Nelson the other day, uh, which was pretty cool. But word on the street is, you claim to be the biggest pickleball personality in the game of pickleball right now. And my question for you is, why do you feel that you're the biggest personality in pickleball? Uh, what makes you tick? What makes you uh, that way? So I uh, look forward to meeting you in the future, man. Hope you're doing well. And uh, glad you got to get on my buddy's show, the Eddie and Webby show. They're great and really enjoy getting to catch up with them. So you guys take care and uh, talk to you soon. And now I respond. Is that how this works? Okay. Your turn. (laughs) Scott, nice to meet you too. There was a joke because the one guy got on and was like, what about Scott Golden? And I uh, said, who? Even though I do know who Scott Golden is, I've heard his name many times and we have never met, but we will eventually. Uh, Biggest uh, personality is for me is just a, uh, a more... For me, it's a more uh, charming way to say influencer. And for me, I uh, have a pretty decent reach throughout the world with my social medias and with um, all of my outlets, including doing things like this. And uh, that's one of the reasons I have been really promoting Pickleball Hard is because there is nobody that I know of in my position that can play pickleball decent enough, has a pretty large following, and is able to share the sport of pickleball and introduce it to a bunch of new players who maybe are curious about it or maybe have never heard about it in their life. So uh, like I said, uh, it's trademarked. So if Scott wants that title, uh, he can make an offer. Nice. But I I really love the fact that that you and, and people 
that are more well known are getting into the sport. And I love the fact that you're so into it and that you're, you're, you're all in, like you're, you're really devoted to it. Um, cause I think that's w- what we need. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people in the, in the pickleball forums that like, maybe they're not survivor fans and they're like, well, Tyson, who, who, who is this guy? But I mean, the general public knows of survivor and knows of you probably way more than they even have, like the, more than the amount of people that have heard of pickleball. So, uh, I really like the fact that you're into pickleball. You can help get the word out to a whole new audience that that us pickleball fanboys can't get to because we don't we don't have that audience that you do. So I think it's a great thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's a message here from Jason Bennett. He has a great point. He said, "But does Tyson have a number one pickleball themed song on iTunes?" That's a great question. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> Jason. I do not currently, but little spoiler. I will be having a pickleball theme song come out at some point Ooh. in the near future. Yeah. Well, so just so stay you, tuned. Just so you know, just so you know, Tyson, we have pickleball anthem trademarked. So you cannot call it pickleball anthem unless you want to pay a, a hefty price. So okay. Well, maybe I'll trade you for the title of uh, world's number one pickleball personality. All right. All right. Maybe. Maybe we can work something out like that. Cool. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'll uh, get my people in touch with your people. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, Scott Golden isn't the only person that sent us a video for you. Uh, we learned that Riley Newman, when he was on our show, that he has actually given you some coaching and that the two of you have played together before. So he sent us a, a little video message for you. So let's go ahead and play that. Hey, Tyson, it's Riley. Got a question for you. I know you're an aspiring professional pickleball player. So when can I expect to play you in my first round matchup? See ya. <laughs> Uh, am I aspiring professional? I guess I am now that Riley said that as long as he coaches me to victory. But if I'm <laughs> meeting him, I feel like that's a conflict of interest for him now, right? Uh, to coach me to defeat him. Is that, <laughs> right. uh, uh, I mean, we'll have to do some underground play first here and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll make it public from there, but okay. give All me, right. let's see. If I wanted to go pro, give me a year and All a coach right. and, uh, <laughs> yeah, n- and a nanny. And I'm going to need a lot of stuff to put in the time right. to go pro. And, and my goal, honestly, is not to, to be pro. My goal is to have fun and get my exercise and be active and share the sport with uh, people who uh, are a little timid dipping their toes into it or have never heard of it. So, uh, uh yeah, so being pro would be cool. It would be awesome to have that title to say you're a pro pickleballer, but uh, it's not my number one reason for participating in in the sport. Okay, gotcha. Now, I mean, it could be just like in Star Wars, though. Like you could, uh, if Riley keeps coaching you, the apprentice can then become the master. So don't rule yeah. it. Don't rule it out all the way. Just think of uh, Yoda and Luke Skywalker and all them. <laughs> And I've been a professional in uh, s- sports before, so it's not uh, territory unknown to me. Right. Okay. So uh, how did you? How did you and Riley Newman first get in contact with each with each other? Somebody actually just recommended that I uh, give him and Lindsay a call to give me some lessons. This was before I was going to the tournament in Missouri. I was like, oh, I don't want to embarrass myself completely at this tournament, so I'm going to have them give me some coaching and some tips and figure some stuff out. And so 
we met up. Uh, we live like 20 minutes away from each other. And uh, we met up and got a lesson. And then uh, I started talking to Riley more and would meet up with him uh, almost weekly for like a month or two there until uh, all the tournaments started uh, happening again when he was kind of just stuck and the tournaments were on hold. He had uh, more time to meet up and play. So, uh, Riley, you let me know when you're ready for me because I know he's always on the road and impossible to uh, to get a meeting with. But uh, when uh, the slow season hits, hit me up and we will uh, we'll work on some things. And maybe one day the apprentice can become the master. Very nice. Love it. Uh, Riley's awesome. He he was in southeast southeast Michigan near where I live over the summer, and I was able to get a do attend one of his clinics, and that was such a great experience. And he was nice enough to let me film the whole thing, so we put out a video. So if anybody hasn't checked that out yet, it's uh you can ex- see how my Riley Newman clinic experience was. I absolutely loved it. I'll absolutely do another one if he comes back into town. Uh, that, that was very fun. It's my very first ever pickleball clinic, but I absolutely loved it, and I uh, can't wait to do another one. Uh, Riley actually sent us another video, and it's of a pretty sweet point from a match that the two of you played in together. So let's go ahead and roll that clip. That was a good long rally. Nice work, it guys, on getting that one. That's what makes pickleball beautiful, is that right? any time you show up to a court, you can have an amazing rally. Somebody can have an incredible shot. Hopefully it's you, something that you have wanted to witness, or like there's just something about it that every time you show up, you know that something special at some point is going to happen. And uh and that was super fun. I remember after that, you saw that time when I ran over to try and cover him. And after that, he was like, I can get to everything on the court. You don't need to cover for me, bro. And I was like, that is true. I didn't know yeah. what I was thinking in that moment. I was just trying to help where I could. So he nice. did most of the work. And it is, it's really fun playing with Riley uh, because you get to have a front row seat and watch uh, all that stuff happen. Oh, I bet. And uh, one thing that stood out to me in that video clip was, uh, and it was a great rally, obviously, but kind of an awkward chest bump there at the end. Eddie, can we see that again? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, he so told he, me he I needs to do... work on my chest bumps. But yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I'm a timid chest bumper. Okay. Yeah, I know chest bumping I didn't know isn't that's what we're going for. Yeah, that's, and it's, I mean, I'm just, it's just not, doesn't come natural to me. Uh, but <laughs> I promise you next time Riley and I play together, I will nail the chest bump. All right. I'll be looking out, looking out for it. So everybody keep an eye 
when next time Riley and Tyson are together, make sure that Tyson perfected his chest bump. Critique him if mm-hmm. you need to. And uh, let's let's get him to be a 5.0 chest bumper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can do that. I can definitely become a professional chest bumper. <laughs> nice. So what's going on on your end, Eddie? So there's some social media comments coming in. Uh, a couple questions, but also just a couple comments here. Scott Golden Negative. said, uh, oh man, all these trademarks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, Scott, you got to get it. You got to get a trademark lawyer and uh, start trademarking your stuff, my man. Uh, otherwise, people are going to steal it. Who knows? Maybe uh, my handle on Instagram tomorrow will be Scott Golden. <laughs> the Golden Boy. I like the Golden that. Boy. Yep. Uh, so coming yeah. here from Charity Schneider, just saying, love Tyson. Charity, uh, I love you too. Thank you. And another comment here from Michael Withrow. To saying, mm-hmm. love you, Tyson. So you're getting a lot of love in the comments here. Oh, yeah. It feels good. Nice. It feels good to be loved. Then <laughs> I got two questions that I wanted to ask. Uh, the first one is from Dana Stidham Joseph, and she wants to know what paddle you play with. Oh, I brought one. I play with this. It is Ooh. the Gamma Hellbender. It's their brand new one. Uh, and it is their new core technology with the graphite surface. So it has a lot of grab. You can, you know, manipulate the ball a little bit. It's nice and light and quick. It's, uh, not fully elongated. I mean, what rating does this podcast have where I can talk about elongation? Uh, I, I was just about to say, I was just about to say that's what she said, but, uh, it's a semi elongated <laughs> paddle. With, so it's not as long or narrow. So you have a little bit more reach and you, it's got great touch and I've been in love with it. Uh, it is almost sold out and will not be restocked before the holidays. So if you want one before Christmas, uh, you need to get on gammasports.com and buy one immediately. And I would suggest buying one because I've loved it. I've played with a lot of paddles and uh, yeah, this is my go-to paddle right now. Nice. Do, nice. do you have a preferred so, weight? Are you on the? Do you like to play on the lighter side and the heavier side, right in the middle? I generally like um, eight to eight point two. Okay. Uh, this is a seven point six, so I have added a little bit of weight to it and uh, brought it up to uh, about an eight point zero. And uh, yeah, I love it. So, um, an, other options, the Legend, I played with the Gamma Legend for a while. I love that as well. That comes in at an 8.1, so it's right in my preferred weight there. Uh, I go back and forth because I am more of like a power player. I like to, if I smash the ball, I like to make sure that I am winning that point. So I don't like to have people return it. So with a heavier paddle, I'm able to put the ball away uh, with much more force and make sure that my opponent isn't getting to it. Uh, so, yeah, but I have been trying to work on my touch game. Okay. That's good. And it's good to have a paddle that can do all of that, which is nice. Yeah. And that kind of goes into this next question. And I'm just going to go ahead and bring it up and then immediately disappear from the screen. And that is from Andre Paul Tyson. Could you take Webby? Ooh. In singles? Yeah, I think he's talking about singles here because we just I just started a, a series where I do singles mm-hmm. against all these different people. So that's a great question, how, Andre. How old are you, Webby? Uh, I am 39. And uh, what is your skill level in doubles? 
in doubles if yeah. you if you want my official my official ranking it's 3.5 um some days i play like a 3.0 some days i play like a 4.0 <laughs> i could take webby oh all right well uh i might as well <laughs> Might as well officially issue this challenge then. Would you be willing to participate in a future episode of Webby versus everybody? 100%. You come to Arizona, I mean, the weather's not getting any better in Michigan. You may as well get to right. Arizona. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll gladly uh, come to Arizona. I've never been there. I would love to go there. So yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Webby versus yep. Tyson. It's going to happen one of these days. <laughs> it's happening. Uh, do you want to play with a gamma paddle? I got a whole bunch of them you can try out. And you could even stay in this guest room here. It's got a lion, but that's only temporary for podcasting uh, purposes. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll work something out. We can definitely make that happen. So speaking of Gamma, uh, something kind of cool. My mother-in-law actually made me aware of this fact, and that is that Ellen DeGeneres recently gave away a Gamma pickleball set as part of her Christmas giveaway on her TV show. Are, are you familiar with that? Yes, it was awesome. Did you see it? I did. She actually sent me the clip. And she's like, "Oh, you yeah. should, uh, you should, you should go on Ellen's show or have Ellen on your show." So I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll just give her, I'll give her a quick buzz and see if she wants to be on the show sometime. That'd be cool." <laughs> yeah, and I'll call her too. We may as well all talk to her. Uh, right. It was awesome. She uh, she gave away or Gamma gave away on her show uh, a five hundred dollar package to everybody in the audience, I believe. So they got like temporary net, temporary court, uh, markings, um, four paddles, everything, balls, everything you need to get going. And, uh, I thought that was super awesome. And we, uh, even like no, none of the players at Gamma knew it was happening until the day of, and then they let us know. So we all tuned into Ellen and, uh, I think probably upped the ratings of Ellen by, quite a large margin. Oh, for sure. Yeah, cuz people yeah. started sharing that clip on the pickleball forum, so absolutely she got a she got a bump in ratings after that. So that was a that was a very smart move on the part of Ellen. Um but I love the fact that uh that gamma. people like Ellen. Yeah, Ellen and Gamma. Yeah, smart on Gamma's part too cuz I mean, how many people now are like people that didn't even know about pickleball are probably buying a Gamma set cuz they want to play this game that Ellen is obsessed with. So, yeah, smart on both their parts, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and if you do, uh, if you do want to buy stuff on Gamma, you can use Tyson 20 for 20% off. And I think they're throwing some extra goodies in for the holiday season, like, uh, paddle cover, some, uh, tacky, uh, overgrip, which is, in my opinion is the best overgrip in the biz. Like it stays tacky for so long and they come in super flashy colors. Like these are not stock colors here. These are super flashy, beautiful, tacky overgrips. Nice. I've actually, I've used the, uh, I've, I've purchased those Gamma overgrips mm -hmm. before. I'm a big fan. They're very, very good yeah. overgrips. They are. Uh, and they're great stocking stuffers. Dude, I just thought of that just right now. I was like, they're a nice, like little uh, cheap accessory to throw on somebody's paddle that improve your game without, you know, having to uh, spend hundreds of dollars on somebody, put them in a stocking put a few of them in a stocking. They come in a three yeah. pack. So yeah. Okay. That's yeah, what everybody's I, getting from me. Yeah, there you go. And I kid you not, like everybody that's asked me, like my wife and then my mother-in-law asked me what I want. And the overgrips are on my list because I mean, you, you go through them like crazy. The more you play, you got to replace them. So I mean, I, yeah, I absolutely love the idea of getting overgrips as a gift. How often do you go through an overgrip? 
Uh, I'd say if I, I if I do a, a long tournament and I don't go O2 out, I replace it for every tournament I do pretty much. I like I like the feeling of a fresh overgrip. Yeah, I'm yeah, in the it same is mode. nice to have a fresh. Yeah, there's but like there's if you're not playing tournaments, yeah. there's nothing yeah, better not, than a I'm fresh playing, overgrip. Yeah, if I'm not playing tournaments, I mean I'll probably keep it for like a few weeks or something like that. But I mean, when it comes to tournament time, I'm I'm putting a new fresh overgrip on. Okay. Yeah. I just this this was also a gauge to see if I still felt like I could beat you in a singles uh, matchup to see how often <laughs> you change your overgrip. So it's all in here, man. Just like count, okay. crunching the numbers. Strategy. So did did my uh, strategy? Did your fear level go it, up or down based on my answer? <laughs> uh, about the same because I switch out okay. about as often. So I'm just trying to gauge okay. if you're getting more hours in than me, and if like when you show up, all of a sudden you're like the world's first 7.0 player and there's nothing <laughs> I can do. No, you do not have to worry about me being a very high level player. That's so get that out of your head right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> drop my expectations. I think yes. feel like this is what you're doing. Now I'm going to show up. I'm going to have drank in a bunch of these artisanal sodas that I just barely heard <laughs> of today. And by the time you roll in, like I'm just not going to be at my peak. Yeah, I should. I feel like like if this is like if this is the bar, maybe uh, bring your expectation here and then lower right. it a little more, and then that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay, and I will. I'll set my expectations super low so that no matter what, you perform above that level. So even Excellent. no matter what happens, I can be like, he really shocked me. He shocked me real good. <laughs> but you also Excellent. have to lower your expectations of me. Okay. All right. Deal. If that, possible so what do you got going on on your end eddie you know i know webby you got a ton of stuff that you want to be able to go over with tyson but there's so many good questions coming in here or comments that i just nice. i couldn't resist here yeah uh, bring them on so steve vaza said i got him with an ernie in october haha ha, laugh out loud you uh -oh. wanna you wanna share <laughs> that Oh man! I don't remember him getting me with an Ernie. I remember me going for the Ernie and he body bagged me. I thought I set it up beautifully, went to jump the line, and then he hit the ball right into my chest. And he very well could have Ernied me, but the only thing, like the only real painful memory I have of meeting up with, with uh, the Vaz, as we call him in the Gamma family, is uh, he body bagged me when I thought I set him up so perfect to Ernie it as hard as I could right down his throat. Yeah. So, and again, we're talking pickleball, everybody. Yeah. It's a, it's a risky shot sometimes. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, if he got me with an Ernie, which it sounds like he did, uh, he wasn't the first, probably not the last either since then. That was in October. I've played quite a bit since then. So, yeah, but never feels good to get Ernie'd on. Well, the Ernie's a good shot. Uh, there's also another good shot in the game that is very controversial. And this question comes in from, and I'm really sorry if I butchered the name, Tana Kamchanakfun. And Tana says, tell me about the nasty Nelson. Tana Karn. Tana. That's how we, that's what we call him. Uh, Tana. Uh, well, I was going, I'm going to this, uh, I go to this meetup, this group in Scottsdale every week. And there, all the players there are pretty much better than me. 
maybe I'm not the worst one, but pretty close to the worst one that shows up. And there's this one kid, uh, pretty funny. I can give him a shout out. Kevin, what's up, dude? And he's probably like a 5-0 player. And on game point, he was my partner. And he just smashed his serve into the non-returning player on the other side. And it hit him right in the chest. And then I was like, oh, I in my mind, I was like, oh, we lost that we lost uh side out, I guess. And he was like, we just won. I was like, how? And he's like, well, if you hit them with the ball. So he taught me this, this controversial move that is funny amongst friends, I think, but uh, I don't know that I have the uh, confidence or the cutthroatedness to uh, do it to a stranger. <laughs> uh, but I have performed the nasty Nelson on uh, multiple friends since being taught it. Mm-hmm. Because it's just too good. Just too good for somebody to just like look down at their feet, look over at their partner, and then get thumped in the chest with the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's nothing more satisfying than pulling it off. And But there's also nothing worse than being the recipient of it. It is. I haven't been the, the recipient feeling. yet. Yeah. yeah, I haven't I, been the recipient yet. You have? And how I did have, you feel yeah. like? Run us through the whole flood of emotions that you had as it was happening. The worst part was it was against um, a group of fairly new players that I was working with in my community. And so I was kind of showing them like, all right, you want a deep serve, deep return. And I was up there at the line and they hit the ball and I wasn't really paying attention. I was just in kind of casual mode observing and just got me with it. And I'm like, well, that's your point. And they didn't realize that, that that was their point at first. I had to explain it to them. I'm like, that's, so they just hit a bad, they just hit like a really bad serve. Just a really bad serve. And they also as bad. But they also still crushed felt bad? the crap out of the ball, and and I, I think I, I don't they were they were I think they were trying to like overcompensate for their lack of skill and just hit the ball and just bam right in the chest and I'm like all right well I guess that's your point. So yeah. here's the question wow. for you guys: if if it's not done on purpose, is it still considered a nasty Nelson, or does it need to be on purpose to be considered a true nasty Nelson? Hmm. I think it has to be done on purpose. Yeah, that's the moniker so nasty, right? Otherwise, yeah, it's just like dumb luck. Right, because I've done it twice. Oh, no, actually, no, I did I did do it once on purpose. I was going to say I've done it twice, and it was not intentional, so I didn't truly count it. But there was one time where I did it during rec play on purpose. This guy, he just he kept he kept standing right. Drifting all the way to the center. center. All the way at the yeah. center line, and he kept doing it. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go for it. I did it, and I drilled him, and I, I, it felt amazing. <laughs> so what I do with those guys is I'll scoot all the way over to the corner to serve so that I can, my line will hit them, but if they move, the ball will still fall in, in play. Oh, that's a good Does that idea. that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that way you can kind of, it's like a, you have a contingency plan there in case uh, he moves and you miss yeah. him, then the ball Very still smart. falls in play. I, I like don't that. know if it is, but uh, that's what I do. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. Thank you. We have one more question here, uh, and this comes from somebody who I'm a big fan of. You've all seen her work, her photography. It's Belinda Detman, and she wants to know, Tyson, who's your favorite player to watch, male and female? Thanks. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, Belinda. Male and female. Um. Male, I mean, it's got to be somebody, I know it's got to be one of my friends. So probably Riley, especially with all the energy he brings and excitement and uh, enthusiasm 
And then my mm-hmm. other friend, Zane Navratil, uh, is also exciting and fun to watch. Just a young kid on the scene the last couple years. And so it's the same with watching Survivor. Anytime you get to see a friend actually be the one competing there, there's like extra at stake for it. And my interest levels definitely skyrocket. So male, uh, definitely Riley and Zane. Uh, female, um, uh, Jess, uh, what's the engaged girl's name? Ir- Irvin. Yeah, Jesse Irvin. Irvin. I yeah, Jesse Irvin. For the same reason, she brings like a lot of enthusiasm and emotion to it. You can tell that she is really excited when she's playing well, and uh, that's what I like. I like that type of uh, enthusiasm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably it. I like. I, I mean, I I grew up in like a football family where football was always on in the background during holidays and on weekends and stuff, even if it was on mute. And so I do that same thing on ESPN three with pickleball. Like when pickleball's on, on the weekend, I'll just flip it on, have my coffee, eat my breakfast, watch some pickleball play with my kids. It's a pretty good day. Nice. Yeah. Great question, Belinda. Great answers. Very solid choices there. And uh, so you mentioned Zane Navratil and I'm glad Mm -hmm. you did because we actually have a video question for you from the man himself. So let's go ahead and play the question from Zane. Okay. What's up, Eddie and Webby? What's up, Tyson? How's it going? Uh, I just want, I had two questions for you. First off, um, at what point do short shorts become underwear? And number two, how do you plan to overtake the other Tyson for shortest shorts in pickleball? Thanks, Tyson. <laughs> Is he talking about Tyson number two? Tyson number two, huh? All right. I think so. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> uh, I think I already have the shortest shorts. Do, does, are, uh, is uh, the other Tyson shorts shorter than mine? Uh, he, he gives you a good run for your money, but if, if we're talking like survivor shorts, you've, you've definitely got them beaten there. <laughs> yeah. I always try to make sure the drawstrings are, are longer than the inseam of the, of the shorts so the drawstrings hang lower than the actual shorts do. Uh, that's a good measure of a good length short. And uh, it's hard because I'm very particular about my clothing for some reason. I don't know why I just like to look good. And uh, so the short shorts, they have to be short and they have to be like pretty form fitting, but they also have to have pockets. And that's the tricky part is finding short shorts with pockets. So, uh, I found a perfect pair. I have them in a bunch of different colors and I've been, uh, playing in them and short shorts. When do they become underwear? I I think it's when you're wearing them under another garment is when they actually become underwear. Is that the definition? So if you were wearing pants on top of your short shorts, those then would be considered underwear. That's literally what underwear is. That's what (laughs) I thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Zane is planning on coming out here and he's going to stay in this exact room. Uh, I think in, uh, early next year, uh, he's going to come out for a tournament, spend a couple of days here first, maybe. And I'll have to get him on the, uh, short, short train. Choo choo. <laughs> nice. But yeah. We're big fans of Zane. Good friend of ours. He was on the, on the podcast just a couple episodes ago, but a great guy. Awesome player. Very fun to watch. One of the, one of the fastest moving players in the game today. I absolutely love yeah. watching him play. So 
Yeah, I awesome played uh, I played with him not too long ago. He was here uh, t- doing a clinic, and uh, I just had the good fortune of uh, meeting up and playing with him because another friend introduced us and invited us up to play. Um, yeah, he he. I submitted a question for him. And mm-hmm. then I asked yep. him who he answered and I softballed it so perfectly for him to choose me to go on a deserted island and play pickleball <laughs> with him. But I know he didn't choose me because he told me he couldn't remember his answer because all he could think about was the lion picture in my background. And while I did <laughs> right. appreciate yeah. that, I also knew it was a cop-out answer. He chose somebody else. It wasn't me. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the classic answer. When it's not the answer that the person is looking for, you'd be like, oh, man, I forget what my answer was. Yeah, I forget yeah. what I what the answer was, but I remember the lion in the background. That was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, come on, dude. I'm 41. I played Survivor four times. This is classic misdirect. <laughs> but he was very drawn to the lion. In fact, we had to like we did a freeze frame of your question just so we could all admire the lion in the background because we all loved it so much. But, Let me get uh, it for you. Nice, it's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger nice than you think. Okay, let's see. Yeah, let's see what the let's see what the picture to Tyson ratio is. Oh wow, that is very good size. Yeah, and I'll tell you the background of it too. So here's what here's what was going on. Uh, my neighbor, who's a new neighbor, because we've only lived in this neighborhood a year, messaged me and was like, "Hey, I left a little surprise for you on the front doorstep." And I was like, "Ooh, that's cool," but also like different because I've, I've, uh, I feel like I haven't left you presents. I don't know what's going on. I go out there. This thing's on the front door step, and I'm like, "My wife's never gonna let me hang that anywhere in the house." And I love it. And he got it for me because my wedding ring. This is my wedding ring. Can you see it? Let's see. This way. Yep. Oh, nice. Very yeah. cool. It's like a that. solid gold lion head with a black diamond in the mouth. Oh, wow. And so he's, yeah, my neighbor's always been a fan of that ring. And so he got me this, which I only put up for podcast and video purposes. And then I take it down and hide it in the closet. And uh, it's pretty cool. But like I said, not in line with my wife's uh, ideas of feng shui. Okay. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. So, I love it though. It's, it, it's, it's awesome. Thank you. It looks, it would go well in your background there, I think, somewhere if you had room for it. <laughs> yeah. My, my background is very busy. Maybe if I had like one big thing instead of just a bunch of random things on the wall, it might be a little, yeah, you've got a lot of flares. <laughs> I do. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, got the baby yeah. Yoda back there. Gotta, gotta have baby Yoda. I mean, you on. have to. Yeah. <laughs> and then are those like Funko Pop heads you got going on back there too? Oh yeah, that's a wall, a wall of Funko Pop. That's the the Grammy that Eddie and I won. Um, wow, our custom custom paddle tech Eddie and Webby paddle. I mean, we got it, we got it all going on. There's yeah, a do. custom players pickleball paddle behind me. I need to move that so it's more easily visible. But yeah, we got we yeah. got so much so much stuff going on. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably you're just going to add to it before you take oh, yeah. away. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, so. We had a lot of good pickleball conversations, but we we cannot have a four-time Survivor contestant and Survivor winner on the show without talking a bit about Survivor. Are you cool with answering some questions about Survivor now? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like 80% of my life. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, answering Survivor questions. Ask away. Let's get them. Nice. 
So as I mentioned in the intro, you've been on Survivor four different times. Uh, so for those unaware, which, which seasons were you on and which one did you win? So I was on season 18. That was my first one. That was in like 2009 in Brazil. Then I was on season 20, which was an all-star season called Heroes versus Villains. That was in 2010 in Samoa. Then I was on Blood versus Water, where it was a returning player plus a loved one. So I took my then girlfriend, now wife. She played Survivor with me on that one. That's the one I won. And that one was in the Philippines. And then earlier this year, I was on one called Winners at War. It was all the previous winners in one season. And that one was filmed in Fiji. So, uh, okay. yeah, uh, over a decade that I have uh, appeared on the show and four times wow. in that span, which is that's, a lot. That's very impressive. Has, has there been, I know Boston Rob has been on numerous times. Has, is there anybody else that has been on more times than you and Boston Rob? Uh, Rob's the only one that's played five times. Okay. And, uh, there's a few of us that have played four times. Okay. Very nice. So on the, on the heroes versus villains season, uh, which team were you on? I I know the answer, but for those that are underwear, which, which, which which team were you on in heroes (laughs) versus villains? I was on the villains tribe. Yes. Uh, the thinkers, the gamers, the schemers were all villains and the uh, sweethearts of America were the heroes. Needless to say, the villains crushed the heroes in all aspects of the game. Oh, I bet. That, that makes total sense, too, because the, the villains, they're the ones that, like you said, they have all the plans, they come up with the schemes and stuff like that. So, yeah. like, what, what do you feel, like, why, what's the main reason you were on the, the villains team? Um, because my first season, I clashed really hard with one of the... Uh, sweethearts of the show and I did not hide my feelings about clashing with her. I definitely let America know that I wasn't a fan of hers. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that is why I was a villain most probably. And uh, I mean, and my pointy face, I mean, my face is too pointy to be like a true hero ever. I have like gorgeous cheekbones, pretty pointy nose, pointy chin, nobody's uh, thinking that I am uh, uh, like a Superman style character. <laughs> nice. That's a fun, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Like the heroes just don't have the, uh, like the, 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 the cheekbones. The, like that's a, a very yeah. villainous type of a uh, feature. I didn't, I never really thought about that, but you're, you're actually, yeah. that's, that's spot on. <laughs> pointy cheekbones and pointy noses make great villains. Nice. So did you know ahead of time uh, going into that season that it was heroes versus villains or was that, is that the kind of thing that's like a surprise until you get on the show and arrive on the Island? Yeah, that was a surprise. So we got on there and, uh, and then I think when they categorize you as such, you kind of then end up kind of either playing that role to like an even extra degree or steering so far away from that role that your story gets, retold or reshuffled or something. And so, yeah, I mean, I was not upset to be considered a villain on the, on the season. I was fine and I liked that tribe and everything and uh, took pride in being known as a survivor villain. Nice. I like it. But I'm uh, a pickleball so hero. <laughs> That's right. So we have uh, a question here on YouTube. It's a very important question 
And mm-hmm. it actually comes from my daughter, Addie Lulu, and she wants to know in Survivor, where did you use the bathroom? <laughs> Addie Lulu. Uh, in nature's toilet, the ocean, which is also nature's shower, which I know sounds like, how can it be both? It just is. Uh, it's science. So generally, if you are by the ocean, you use the ocean as your toilet because it takes everything out and uh, the salt kind of kills a lot of germs and the fish kind of eat a lot of stuff. And uh, it, if you can't go in the ocean, then you do go somewhere and bury it like you would camping. But the problem with that is that that smell and stuff can then attract rodents and some Ah. other bugs and other pests. So you want to keep that stuff away from you as much as possible because that stuff leads to infections or disease or anything like that. So you're trying to keep your living area and beach area and stuff as clean as possible from any thing that would attract any any pests or rodents or anything like that gotcha all right great question Addy. i feel like that's something that everybody wanted to know but was afraid to ask so i'm glad i'm glad she asked it (laughs) no toilet paper nothing you don't have any of that stuff out there so oh man so that's that brings up another question like she she actually, my daughter, she's a huge fan of Survivor, um, and she had some good questions for you. Uh, she gave me a list of questions that she wanted me to ask you, and okay. another one of them was, uh, like, did do you guys get any soap or toilet toiletries at all, or is it like, is it legit? Like, do you really not get like any any cleaning supplies whatsoever while you're out there? So you, there's a medical box that's hidden and camouflaged off camera, and inside that medical box is contact solution contact stuff for anybody that has contacts if they want to wear those. Uh, And then there's hand sanitizer in there so people can handle their contacts without giving themselves an eye infection. And then there's uh, feminine hygiene products. Uh, And uh, other than that, uh, bug repellent and sunscreen. And that's it. And then if you are on prescription medications and the show's doctors deem them necessary for you to be out there, they will allow you to take those prescription meds. But if they do not think that you need them, they won't give them to you. Interesting. So, okay. so like allergy medications or things like that are, are most typical and they will withhold those from you until they can see that you are struggling with allergies or something. Gotcha. Um, another thing, uh, so like I started watching the show with my my daughters and wife probably about three years ago is when we all started watching together. And something that they pointed out that I never really noticed is that a lot of the women seemed to have like perfectly shaved armpits the whole throughout the whole series. Like, is is, is are shaving uh, items like no. for that are those ever given out, or do some people just not grow armpit hair? <laughs> no, you can. There's definitely scenes where they do have armpit hair. You can find those easily enough. Uh, but if you're going on the show, you have time to prepare and a lot of people will go get waxed or get laser hair removal or something to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, thin body hair doesn't really show up that well on camera anyways. So even though you're maybe not seeing any hair on the camera there, it still could be present. Um, I, tend to typically just trim all of the hair off of my body just because 
hair can make a mess and can, you know, get knotted and matted and trap things and stuff like that. And having long hair on the show, while it looks super cool, I'm sure, is the biggest pain in the butt. Like I remember waking up one morning and reaching around the back of my head and I was like, oh, dude, I've got like a giant stick in the back of my hair. It wasn't a stick. It was a dreadlock that had naturally formed that was like the size of my middle finger. It was like, oh, man. It was like, yeah, and it was like, I was like, oh, dude, I spent all day long picking it out, uh, but there wasn't much going on that day, so it was fine. Nice. Well, we've got a uh, a question here on Twitch, which is always a big deal for us, and this is our good buddy Chris Twitch 2.0, aka Wings Media Guy, and he wants to know, how did Tyson change up his game on Survivor between his second and third appearances that enabled him to bring home the victory? Um, I mean, there definitely is a learning curve to Survivor. You'll see seasons where there's a couple returning players and then a bunch of new players, and those returning players almost always run really deep. Um, I think uh, from second to third, uh, I had adjusted some, but my bigger adjustment was from my first time, uh, just learning to keep everybody on your side as much as you can and not really alienating anybody from the group or from the game because those people on the bottom end up at some point being used as pawns to flip the game. And so uh, if you can utilize people that maybe you clash with or aren't in your little trust circle or whatever you got going on, you still got to maintain some level of civility with them. Even if they're out to get you, you can't fully cut them off. And so uh, that was definitely a lesson I learned the first time I played. I didn't really get to utilize it the second time, but I did put it into uh, effect the third time. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think also there's so many weird balances between playing too hard and not hard enough. And and uh, one of the other things I, I implemented was that it was okay not to win every challenge. Cause if you win every challenge, you appear too threatening and by losing challenges or not trying that hard in some challenges when I didn't feel like I needed to win, uh, also helped me, uh, get further in the game. I also got injured that season. I pulled some ligaments in my shoulder and, uh, and so I was in a sling for a couple of weeks before I really had full mobility. So I definitely played that up as well. Like I'm just helpless and injured. I, even though my face is pointy, there's not much I can do. And so, yeah, there, I mean, you just have to take advantage of every, of everything that can be an advantage. And, uh, right. It's, it's tricky. The hard, the hardest part of survivor. I mean, it's a competition, but it's not like you, play somebody pickleball and you lose and you feel like you should have beat them, you can play them the next day or you can play them the next week or whatever. Survivor, most people only get one shot at it. And even if you're playing multiple times, it's like, yeah, you may learn something every time, but it's years between appearances. And so being able to uh, put those lessons to play can sometimes never come or be years and years in the making. So I think in that way, it's pretty unique in that you don't get to practice and get better at the show before you go back and try again. All right. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, here's another question on YouTube from Amber Schindler. And this one is, 
or actually this is a, this is from Facebook from Amber Schindler, and she said, "Would you do another season on Survivor? So if you were contacted by Survivor, would you do another yeah. one, or have you are you fed up?" <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really hard to turn down a one in twenty shot at a million dollars. Uh, right. And yeah. And so I feel like I'd have to, it's definitely harder to go and do it now than it was when I was younger. And, uh, it, it takes a harder toll on my body now and probably mentally and, and emotionally as well. Um, and I have two small daughters at home and that's hard to leave for five or six months with no communication whatsoever. Oh, you're yeah, just I like bet. ghosting the world for that amount of time that you're gone. Yeah, I and can't so, imagine how tough that would be. Yeah, so all that stuff is, is uh, I mean, if they asked me, uh, I'd definitely have to see where I was, but Survivor's been so good to me. And, you know, if they want me back, then, you know, I feel, I don't feel obligated to go back, but I feel like part of it is like, yeah, I can go back, even if it's maybe not the most ideal for me, Uh they've shown me a lot of love. And so if I can reciprocate that in any way, then I will. All right. Um, so out of all the seasons that you've done, which would you mm -hmm. say was the toughest for you? Um, probably the last one, uh, because I came in as such a huge target and didn't realize that I was going to be a huge target right from the get-go and usually because of my uh award-winning personality i just magically work my way into the top echelon in the the majority of the group and don't have an issue doing that but on this last season where everybody maybe even had phone calls before the game started about getting rid of me it made uh navigating the game a lot different and playing from the bottom was a much different experience than anything I'd experienced before on the show. And so that was tricky from that standpoint. Uh, otherwise, I mean, locations, they all have their challenges. Anywhere that rains a lot is going to be definitely a lot more difficult than uh, no rain. Uh, but I, I don't know that one season or location particularly stands out as more difficult in if you are meaning the elements and location. Okay. Was there any specific challenge or like a, a type of challenge that you hated the most anytime it got brought up during during your run yes. on the show? Yes. The blindfold challenges. Blindfolds are like the great equalizer. Like nobody yeah. can perform well blindfolded. And so the second the blindfolds come out, A, I get a little claustrophobic. And then on top of that, it's like I was born to run and jump and swim and reach and do all those things. And by putting a blindfold on, you can't uh, open up the throttle on anything. And so the blindfold challenges are really something that i really don't like gotcha yeah that makes a lot of sense i uh yeah that's that's a good answer but i like as a spectator the challenge like anytime i watch survivor the, the ones food. that i feel like no actually oh that that would be tough too but the ones that stand out to me the most is uh that i would hate is the the ones where you have to like sit or stand or like be in the same position for as long as possible like that's something yeah for me like just the fact that I know I have to stay in this position forever. Like, I feel like as soon as I start it, I'd be like, Oh my God, this I is torture. Move. I need to end it. I need to end right now. I need yeah. to move right now. <laughs> like, I feel like for me, 
that just, anytime I watch you guys do that and when I see that it goes on for hours, I just think, man, it's got to be like torture. I would hate that. Yeah, that is. Uh, but, and for me, like my strongest challenges generally are the ones that have multiple levels to them, like a run, a jump, an obstacle, a puzzle, a, you know, like a bunch of different stuff because I'm pretty good at everything, even without like being really uh, honed in on something. But when you, when it's a singular challenge where there's just one thing that uh, is, can be hit or miss, like maybe I'm really good at it and maybe not. But if that, like, if there's that plus three other things, then it all works to my advantage, I think, because I'm a good swimmer. I'm a good runner, pretty good at puzzles. I can get through obstacles fairly quickly. Uh, And so, yeah, so I prefer something more along those lines than just the like, here, hold your arm above your head as long as you can. So like, yeah, I might be okay, but it's definitely not something where I'm like, I have the upper hand here. Get it, gotcha. upper hand. <laughs> I, I got you. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> but uh, the eating challenge, yeah, that would definitely be up there as well. Um, I feel like I, like I can, I can eat pretty gross things, but certain mm-hmm. textures really mess with me so i feel like the bugs like the big juicy fat bugs that would yeah. i wouldn't be able to and like eyeballs and stuff like that 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 i would struggle with for sure like i yeah i i wouldn't be good at that either i, I don't i don't think i would be good at survivor just in general like anything about survivor i feel like i would be horrible at <laughs> i would not be a good contestant yeah, but that's the thing it's like really you don't have to be good at surviving you have to be good at navigating personalities and that is honestly the most important skill to have to win the game is navigating personalities so and and being self-aware like being aware as to what other people are feeling about you and how they feel about you and and so that's yeah so there's some there's definitely uh, that, but it's not about surviving. Like if anybody is putting in an audition tape and telling them how good they are at camping, that's not even part of playing survivor. Like playing survivor is uh, even while underfed, underslept, underwashed, underpampered, super uncomfortable, you're able to still keep your presence of mind and also, uh, navigate all those personalities and bite your tongue. And, uh, that's how you win survivor, not by, uh, setting up a shelter and fishing. Gotcha. So you mentioned personalities, uh, a very well-known personality in the world of pickleball actually left a message for you. And, uh, it's Glenn Lucy and he wants to know, or actually he wants you to talk about coach, which is his favorite, uh, character from survivor ever okay uh, yeah what do you what do you have to say about coach did you have a good relationship with coach i did i played two seasons with coach i still uh, i coach called me today or yesterday i was on the phone with him uh he's definitely out there but he has a big heart and a good heart and uh we kind of hit it off immediately and so on my first season he, him and i were like each other's ride or die uh alliance and then on Heroes versus Villains, we were both on the Villains tribe. But yeah, I love Coach. I think he's super entertaining as well. Um, and going back and watching some of those old seasons with Coach, for me, like if I 
Like if people are wanting to see me on Survivor, I will show them an episode that has coach in it because he's just so ridiculous in all the best ways. Right. Yeah, I always I was always a big fan of watching him on the show too. And is it just me or does coach resemble Tommy Lee quite a bit? Has that ever gotten uh, brought yeah, up? Yeah, we get a lot of it. Uh, okay. I always thought he was like the uh, love child of Steven Seagal and Daniel Day-Lewis in Last of the Mohicans. So <laughs> nice. that was, yeah, so that was what I always uh, kind of came up with. But yeah, he does definitely, he's always had that long hair pulled back in a ponytail with like the shaved underneath it a little bit. And yeah, uh, yeah he's great. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, so how accurate would you say the edited version of the show that we all see on TV is compared to what actually happens in real life on the island? Is it pretty accurate or does it seem like they like really manipulate manipulate things the way they edit it? I mean, it's it's accurate, but you have to keep in mind that each episode, which is a 45 minute episode, is three days worth of footage. So what you're seeing and the viewers at home are saying, oh, why didn't they, this person see this or see this happening or something? Stuff is happening constantly all day long and ideas and strategies are changing constantly in the game. And so in that course of that three-day footage, there could be a thousand different strategic ideas that are being voiced. And so the show definitely can't show all of those. And most of them fizzle out and amount to nothing anyways. But you as a player have to keep all of that stuff straight in your head. So what you're seeing is then uh, the story that matters, the storyline that actually uh, formulated and became something. And so uh, from that standpoint, I, I mean, what you're seeing on TV now just times that by like, 30 and that is what it's like to be there in person gotcha all right and i know we talked about this a little bit before the show uh but whenever eddie and i cover a tournament i'm, I'm there recording a lot of footage and getting footage to make a, a highlight reel out of and just just from like one weekend's worth of pickleball tournament footage that that's a lot of work and it's very tough to condense it all down to like a, a short highlight reel so i can't imagine what it's like on on the show survivor recording for days and days and days and then cutting down three days worth of stuff into one 45 minute episode so i definitely i feel like that's that's got to be a, a tough job for the for the a editors huge job, yeah. Crew. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and they start editing the second that they start filming so they'll film and ship it all back to LA where the editing room is already ready to start cutting and splicing and following some of the storylines and stuff like that. And it's a huge production. Like you said, they have, uh, when you go out, they have over 400 people on location working on the show survivor. Wow. And, and then, uh, so even though it looks like we are marooned there by ourselves at any given time in camp, there can be 20 or 30 crew members uh, with cameras and mics and other gear setting up lighting, et cetera. And then, uh, and then at the challenges, a lot of times there's even like uh, some, some bleachers set up and there's like VIPs. There's some of the crew that isn't working on the challenge that comes to watch as their sporting event intake for the, for the week. And there's, yeah, it's a giant production and they do an awesome job of 
you know, like you never see a camera guy in the shot. Oh uh, yeah. They're all juggling around and dancing around each other to make sure it really does look like we're there by ourselves. Wow. That's, that's very interesting. Cause I, like I've, I have some video production and television broadcasting experience. And I, so I know what it takes to put on a big production like that, but uh, for them to have that many crew members there on the Island, I, I never realized it was that many people involved in it. So that's, that's very interesting to know. Are there ever times where they, they miss something and they're like, Hey, can you, can you say that one more time just so we can make sure we have good footage? Does that ever happen or, or are they good at not doing yeah, that? It or? does. It does happen, but they almost never use that footage in the long run because okay. we're not actors. Like we're out there being ourselves, having real conversations. Right. So for us to reenact another conversation, a conversation we just had doesn't come off as natural and then it doesn't look right. And so uh, that has happened a couple of times in my experiences, but then uh, when it comes down to it, they either use the original footage where they didn't feel like they got the best shot or they don't use any of it. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. That, that's the kind of stuff I love, love to find out. Cause I never, I always thought about, but never knew. So that, that's good to know. That's very, very interesting. Um, I do have a couple more questions that my daughter wanted me to make sure that I asked. So here's another yes, question from Addison. And uh, she want, she said, uh, she wants to know, what did you find yourself doing to kill time on the island when you were not doing challenges? Oh, man, that's the tricky part because you have to be with the majority of the tribe all the time. So whatever the majority of the tribe is doing, that's what you're doing. If they're all out fishing at the same time, you're out there fishing. If they're all bathing in the ocean at the same time, that's what you're doing. If they're just lounging around camp, that's what you're doing. Uh, you just have to appear like you're just like, along for the ride and hanging out with the group and not up to much. And so, yeah, a lot of people get out there and they're like, Oh, well, I would just go fish every day. And it's like, yeah, but that gives the entire group an opportunity to talk about you while you're gone. And you can't let those windows of opportunity open for other players. So uh, the best thing you can do is just, hang around like some people make backgammon boards they have these little swingy ring games with a hook on a tree where that you like people do make that kind of thing to pass the time i am very good at being alone with my thoughts and just giggling to myself at uh jokes i come up with in my head and so i've never had a problem just lounging and hanging out in uh the uh, rudimentary shelter that we built and giggling to myself every once in a while nice so were there ever any encounters that you had with like creatures or animals that you saw that made you feel like you were legitimately in danger or like feared for your life at all or? Uh, fear for my life. No, but I mean, in the ocean, we, there were sharks. We've ate sharks. We saw sharks swimming around once in a while. Um, at one point in Brazil, uh, we got home from tribal council pretty late and one of the girls went to lay her head down and there was a coral snake coiled around a rock right next to where she was about to lay her head. And fortunately, oh, the moonlight was strong enough that she saw it and she said, hey, there's a snake right here. And they immediately had a snake expert rush in, snag it with the snake tongs, put it in a pillowcase, tie a knot on it and drive it out to the middle of nowhere and release it. But uh a coral snake bite to the face or to the neck on that uh, girl would definitely have uh, 
been um, probably life ending, if not ultra traumatic and super serious. Oh man. So, yeah. Uh, so that, I, but a lot of times you don't even really feel like you're there like that because there's so many crew members around that you just feel like it's a regular production somewhere. And it's kind of like a false sense of security in that uh, you think it's a controlled environment and it definitely is not. Right. Yeah. That, that's another thing I wondered too. Like the fact, like I know that there's got to be a lot of camera people, a lot of microphone people. So, like seeing those extra people that aren't there like as contestants on the Island. I always did wonder like, does that like give you a little more sense of security? security? Like you said, like, yeah. the fact that, like, the, like there's, there's, there's other people here. Like if I, if I get in too much trouble, somebody can help me. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And there's always lifeguards around too. They're hiding in the bushes somewhere by the ocean all the time. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people there that are all, waiting in the wings to jump in and help. If I, I cut my finger with a machete one season, they flew a helicopter in to give me, uh, I think I got two stitches in my finger. Oh, wow. And I, it was great. I mean, the helicopter showed up and I was like, what are you going to do? And they're like, we're going to put a couple sutures in it. I was like, two stitches on my finger. You could have just let that be open. I don't care if I get a scar on my finger. It's not like bleeding like crazy, but, uh, they all, I mean, they, are, you know, assuming no liability when they're able to, you know, do that stuff. So they came and stitched me up. So that was probably the most expensive two stitches I've ever received in my life, but I didn't pay anything for it. But I I imagine the cost of flying a giant helicopter out with a bunch of people in it to the Island I was on was not cheap. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, And one thing that I really thought was very interesting very early on in survivor i think it was might have even been just season two uh i think his name was michael steuben the one that kind of fell into the fire yeah um, they had they had the crew that kind of you could see the medical crew and they gave him something to like breathe in that kind of like gave him it was like pain meds or something like that yeah so like i it was cool to see like that they the show wasn't afraid to show that like if if somebody gets like in really serious danger like there there are people there to take care of them if, if they're like life threatening or just something really crazy like that happens. And it was, it was kind of interesting to see that they would show that kind of stuff on the show like that. So, um, it's this, yeah, it's, I've, I've always, I've been, a, I've been a big fan of the show since the beginning. So I, uh, I've seen a lot of that stuff and it just, I feel like that was such, such a groundbreaking show and just so, so cool. And even now, like now that my kids, like I, I took a break from a little while, like I didn't watch it every single season. I watched like at least the first 10, then I might have taken a break for a little bit, and then. Uh, but now that my daughters are old enough to appreciate it, like we're, we, that's like one of our, every time Survivor comes on, that's like uh, one of the family shows, one of the one of the very few shows we sit down as a family to watch together. So it's a, a very right. cool show. I love it, big fan. And Survivor's always done an excellent job at branding itself as a family show and creating a family show, and right. so I think that it feels like a pretty good niche market there where you can sit down with even kids as young like there's something for everybody in the show like a lot of the younger audience just loves the challenges and yeah. uh some of the adults love to watch the strategy because they're like numbers people or they're strategy fans or something like that and there's people there for the humor and there's people there to watch other people struggle those are the masochists uh but there's a lot of yeah there's something for everybody i i believe Absolutely. 
Uh, Glenn Lucy, he gave us another great question, and it's it, it's so long that the whole thing is not going to show up on the screen, so I'll do my best to read the entire thing. Uh, but he said, I always wanted to go on the show, but I have almost zero fat on my body. I have to eat a dozen chocolate chip cookies every day just to maintain 140. <laughs> so after a month, I would look like a Holocaust survivor. You are also pretty lean. How much weight would you lose each time? How long would it take to recover and gain the weight back? So the very first time I went on the show, I had just come off of a pro cycling career and I was measuring my body fat and I was still training and doing stuff like that. And I, uh, the doctors before the game begged me to gain some weight. And I remember when I had the conversation with them, maybe like a month or two before we started, I was probably 155 pounds. I'm six, three. It was 155 pounds and about 4% body fat. And so like you could see veins all over my body from the low body fat. And uh, I think before I got on the show, I gained 10 pounds, which isn't a ton of body fat percentage to gain, but it was some. So I went out at 165 and exited the show uh, after 27 days at 149 at six, three. Um, and it takes a long time to get that back, uh, just to gain the weight. No, but to gain the, the muscle back and that other stuff and where you were physically and stuff, it, it just depends on how motivated and driven you are because the show does take its toll mentally on you as well to the point where you can almost justify just uh, watching TV and eating, snacks for a year or two after you've been on the show. You're like, ah, I starved myself that one time in Brazil. I deserve a night of Netflix and candy. And so uh, I think it would definitely take months to get back to where you were physically and fitness wise after you return home from the show. Uh, but that's if you're driven. And if you're not, it could take, uh, if you just kind of try to settle back into a routine without doing extra work, probably take more closer to like a year, maybe. Okay. Wow. So um, I never, I, I went to Brazil, the, maybe the best shape of my life and have never regained that fitness all the way, but I've never been that driven to regain it. So, uh, I'm always just 12 to 16 months away from peak physical fitness. Okay. All right. Um, so I just got some breaking news uh, from Eddie mm -hmm. on Eddie's side. Eddie is running this whole show, and he actually just lost power where he's at. We're running running off of battery backups, um, so there's a chance that his battery backups will die. So if our feed dies, that's what happened. <laughs> well, we're we're good now. Yeah, the power went out in my oh, entire okay. house, and thank God I have a UPS set up because. <laughs> It, everything in the house went dark except for my uh, my PC, but we're back now. So okay, that's good to know. Crisis of that's great to know. Eddie, I officially vote you back on the podcast because you back are on. so you saved us. You have everything. Yeah, you have everything. Uh, everything under control. So I'm going to take this uh, this vote to vote Eddie off the podcast. I'm going to rip it up. Eddie oh, is no. back. Is it me now? All, all my <laughs> hopes and dreams are restored now. Thank you. <laughs> But you're no, not revoting. I think no, we are not revoting. It's just it's a wash. Okay. We are all we are all safe this week. It is a non-elimination week. So we are all Ooh. we are all safe. <laughs> Thank goodness. 
Uh, I had a couple questions for you. Okay. All right. What do you got? What is your real name? My real name? My real name is Webster Papadopoulos Schindler. (laughs) Is that your real name? If you are friends with me on on Facebook, then that is that is my real name. Facebook. I I used to be just Webster Papadopoulos on Facebook. Somebody uh, reported me as not uh, not showing my real name, so I updated it and added my real last name, which is uh, Schindler. So Webster uh-huh. Papadopoulos Schindler is my full legal Facebook name. <laughs> legal Facebook name, but that's not your right. real name. You're is that why you wear the sunglasses so nobody knows truly who you are? That is exactly right. That is exactly oh correct. <laughs> it's incredible. Because Papadopoulos, like, I was going to say, are you Greek? Are you part Greek? Because I have some Greek heritage, and I was going to bond over the Greek heritage with uh, with you. But uh, if it's a made-up I, I name. Hate, I hate to burst your bubble, but I, I am not Greek. Um, misappropriation. So. <laughs> but... Uh, I do have a couple more questions from my daughter, so I think we'll move along from the name conversation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she has a, it's actually just one, one more question. One more question from my uh-huh. daughter, and it's a good one. It's a, it, what was the first thing you did when you got home from Survivor? Like, is there a certain thing that, like, you, did you have, like, a routine? Like, once you first got home from being on Survivor, is there a certain thing you did each time, or did you have something different that you did, or what, what was that I like? I mean, you, you want to see your family, and that's, like, yeah. number one. But you are exhausted and, um, one second, excuse me. So you're exhausted and you think that in the show, you're going to eat all this great food when you get home. But if you get voted out before you get home, if you get voted out like earlier, they have all that food there for you. So you've already done all the picking out that you are even wanting to do before you even get home which is kind of a bummer because you've been dreaming of like your favorite local restaurant and going to costco and grabbing all the treats that you want and stuff like that and then by the time you get home you've already overeaten for two weeks because you were voted out two weeks previous uh but i would say the one constant is just catching up on sleep uh and uh so sleeping in your own bed and sleeping. And then I always, cause they take your phone from you and they take everything away from you. So you can't contact anybody. So like you have all these unread emails and text messages and everything. And I usually ignore those for a couple of weeks as I settle back into like regular life, but it just depends. It depends on like what your real life is. Cause if you have to be back to work the next day, you are not afforded the luxury of staying in bed for a week. Right. So, uh, yeah, but I think most people, it's mostly catching up on sleep and seeing your, uh, all of your loved ones, friends and family. All right. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, so are you, are you aware of anybody else that has been on survivor that also plays pickleball? Um, I am introducing the game to as many former Survivor contestants as possible. I know that Rob uh, has, Boston Rob is one of my closest friends uh, in life and also from the show. And he, I've been introducing the game to him a little bit. Uh, And uh, I think Chris, Tina, who won season two, I think she plays a little bit. Uh, Chris Underwood, uh, who won a couple seasons ago? He plays a little bit, and uh, 
I think uh, Wendell is going to get into the game here pretty soon too. So uh, okay, I don't nice. think anybody that uh, has been on Survivor can currently beat me at pickleball. I think I am the <laughs> number one uh, Survivor pickleball player in the world. I will go so far as to say that. And that's also now trademarked. Right. Sorry, Scott Golden. <laughs> you are unable to uh, bestow that title upon yourself. Nice. So Boston Rob is another player, uh, in addition to yourself, that I've, I've always been a big fan of and always was very entertained with during the show. I, I feel like he would be somebody that would really get into pickleball. Is he is he taking it pretty serious, or is he has he not really gotten into it quite yet as much as he should? Or what do you think? No, not yet. I'm going to uh, try and uh, line him up with uh, uh, some gamma stuff. I'll send him some gamma stuff for Christmas and get him going on that, and then. Uh, probably uh, have to meet up with him somewhere. I mean, he's in one of the hotbeds of pickleball. He lives in Florida now. So between me being in Arizona and him being in Florida, you know, we could rule each coast. Yeah, there's no excuse. uh, No excuse for him. Yeah, there is no excuse. (laughs) I mean, except for that he has four daughters that are all going to school. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm introducing him to it and uh, we'll get him going on it. But, uh He's got a long road ahead of him if he wants to beat me at pickleball. <laughs> so trying to tie in pickleball with Survivor, is there anything you learned during your time on Survivor that you think has helped with your pickleball game in any way? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing with Survivor, with this, the challenges specifically, I mean, the game in general is never give up because even if you're on the bottom, you never know how things are going to shake out or what weird twists going to happen. And the, one of the beauty, beauties of pickleball is that like, even when you're down 10 to one, sometimes you just need one good run to bring you victory. And I mean, 10 to one definitely is an, is a, the, most extreme example, but being down three or four or five points is game is not even close to over. And so, uh, and I, I think being able to, you know, stay focused and motivated and competitive and not give up or, or, you know, decide to look towards the next game rather than focus on finishing the one you're in, uh, is definitely something that I've taken away from survivor for sure. Nice. And yeah, I totally agree. I there's you have no idea how many times I have won games where I was down by six, seven, even eight points, and I came back and, and those, ended up winning. Those feel I the feel best. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like there's nothing better than a come from behind victory, and it just it feels so good. And something about it, it just when I get like a when the other team gets a big lead, it just it's it's almost like that's what I need. Like that's what really yeah. makes me like focused. And it's like I I play smarter. And it's like a, I don't know what it is. I, I like, I wish I could like, I wish, I wish I could be the one that takes the big lead, but it never fails. The other team always takes a big lead, but then that's when just something like something clicks with me. That's when I focus. Yeah. And then that's when I do my best, my best stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm the same, like I'm kind of driven because I know, but at the same time, when I have a big lead and lose a game, it's quite demoralizing to be in that position. So I think part of me is like wanting that win, knowing what it feels like as the opponent to lose that. And, and uh, not in any like, you know, any negative connotation, but you do want to demoralize your opponent when you can so that, uh, you know, maybe they don't play at their highest level. If you can 
you know, give them something to pout about for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so for anybody tuning in, if you don't follow Tyson on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, he, he's always posting good pickleball related content. And there's actually a video, you posted, there's, there's a video you posted not too long ago of you doing a pretty sweet ATP shot. And Eddie, I think we have that video clip handy. So oh, if nice. I'm telling the truth, I say we should go ahead and roll it. Nice. That was a that yeah. was a good ATP. You like ATP, that? I, I like it too. I love I ATP. Too. They're so like exciting. Satisfying chat. <laughs> it really is. And you know the only ATPs I've had, they've all been on my backhand side because everybody goes to my backhand there uh, super oh, okay. hard because you know it's your weak. It's my weak side at least, and so they just get a little out of hand with uh, pushing it across court, and then it opens up the ATP for me, and uh, I. I've found that I know a lot of guys go for that back corner with a lot of power, that soft AP ATP at the opponent's feet. They don't know, like the look that he gave me when that happened was the look I've gotten. I probably done three or four of those in the last couple months. And that's the look you get every time is your opponent watching it bounce at his feet and looking up right. and being like, yeah. So, uh, I love watching, the professionals defend the ATP like that. That's an exciting oh, yeah. moment for me when you see the ATP mm -hmm. coming and you also see the pro moving into position to defend it. And I love that. Well, yeah, Eddie and I have talked about this before, like a couple of years ago, the ATP, it was almost a guaranteed point. Yep. But now the pros are so good at predicting when an ATP is going to happen that they easily defend it. And we've, we've seen like uh, earlier this year, Eddie and I commentated and live streamed, the uh, the Florida Grand Slam in Bonita Springs, Florida, and there were numerous games where, like, in one rally, there would be three ATPs that happened. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Zane Navertil did an ATP ATP double when I played with him. So <laughs> nice. he ATP it, put it back, it went back, and he ATP'd again. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Awesome. Well, here's what's funny. I I think too that you know as I'm getting better. I've realized that once I start to play with really solid 4-0 players, that really deep and in, in, uh, close to the net cross-court dink is not a good shot because right. those very solid 4-0, 4-5 players are going to be able to hit the APP or the ATP pretty consistently <laughs> where when you're up against a 3-0, 3-5, that that really wide but but short you know cross court yeah. dink is deadly and so it, I feel like that's almost a defining factor between people that kind of cross over into that four oh four five level and I love it when somebody dinks me wide because I'm like beautiful I'm gonna be as patient as I can and just like you did there I'm gonna wait on it and boom there's no way they're gonna be able to defend that yeah and uh, it, like you said like the ATP is one of those shots where when you the first time you hit it. Now it's added to your mm -hmm. quiver of weapons. You know, it's the same thing with the, with uh, an Eddie. It's like you or an Ernie. It's the an same Ernie, thing with yep. an Ernie. When you, you know, the first one you get, you're like, oh, that's how that works. And this is what I'm looking for. And then you can add it to your repertoire 
of shots and make yourself a more versatile player. And uh, so that, that's one of the other exciting things about pickleball is being able to add those unique shots uh, to your game and having an eye for when they're going to happen. I think uh, a lot of people don't realize that don't play that uh, there's a lot of predicting in pickleball on what your opponent's going to do, even, you know, making eye contact with your opponent or watching how they're swinging their paddle as to where the ball is going to be and get your, your paddle there before they even hit the ball to a certain degree. And, uh, and that's when, uh, you, you know, can set up for an Ernie or even an ATP. So yeah, ATP is FTW. That means for the win. For the win. Well, I mean, at our, I feel like at our level and I'm, I'm saying our level, that kind of four Oh four five level. Yeah. Our collective level. It's pretty, pretty much, pretty much a guaranteed win. I I don't know that I've ever hit an ATP when I'm playing against people in my level and it's ever been defended. It's just, it's basically a guaranteed win. And then you see it on the, they stop playing. Yeah. They stop playing at that point. That's what happened there is they, they saw the shot. They saw it was deep to my backhand and figured it was point over. So they relaxed and it, and then it, uh, and then it hit them. And yeah, I mean, there are moments like that where you're in a rally and you think the point is one and you stop or your opponents stop and the ball is still in play. Yeah. Have, have you done that I, a lot where you're almost like celebrating your point and next thing you know, yeah. they put it back in play and you're so out yes. of position that they end up getting it back and you're like, Oh God. Yeah. I had one where I, uh, smashed it for the kill. Uh, one of the players had gotten back, but the other player hadn't gotten back. When I set up, I hit it at their feet. It bounced underneath their paddle. They didn't make contact. Their partner totally hidden by their body mm-hmm. hit a lob back over their partner. But after it had passed the first guy, I was just like, ta-da. And yep. then I turned around and my partner actually was like, it's still going. I was like, what? And I think we turned around and did keep playing the rally for a little bit, but it was shocking and stuff like that has, you know, has happened. That one stands out for sure because I thought for sure the point was done. And then the ball just like popped out of nowhere. Yeah. It happens to me probably once a week, I'm celebrating my victory. And next thing you know, it's like, well, (laughs) you got to learn to wait till the ball hits the fence or, or yep. takes a couple bounces. I, I've had it too, where I've kind of whiffed an overhead and then I'm like, yeah. oh crap. But then it's like, if I would have just literally taken three steps back and just gone for a drop, I could have kept it in play, but it's almost yeah. like you, you mentally give up. And, and I, I'm starting to realize by watching video of myself playing recently, that's something I really got to work on is I almost give up on the play until I'm a hundred percent certain that it's over. And I'm so quick yeah. to like, be like, yep, that plays over that it, it can kind of bite me in the butt a little bit. Yeah. I found with that, if I jump for an overhead and miss it, I don't have time to get back because I jumped. But if I keep my feet on the ground for an overhead, that's questionable. Then even if I whiff, I have time to turn around and chase the bounce. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, for some reason in my mind, I can jump way higher than I actually can. So (laughs) it happens quite often where I jump. I'm like, I'm smashing the crap out of this thing. The ball's going to shatter into a million pieces. And then I swing so hard. I miss it and my shoulder hurts. But uh, 
Yeah. And that happens. It's pretty regularly, but I think sometimes they swing so hard that the wind boosts the ball a little bit and pushes it out of bounds. So I'm like, oh, I meant to miss that when I knew it was going to be out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That happens all the time. Like, oh, I meant to, <laughs> I meant to whiff yeah. that. Yeah. That was yeah, <laughs> right. intentional, right? That was me pulling back and trying not to hit it. Yeah. Yeah. The old fake out, the old fake out to make yeah. them think that I whiffed it. And then I'm going to get, run back and get it and trick them. <laughs> exactly. So, so, uh, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we actually, somebody sent us a video clip of you. Uh, I don't know if the name Brian Thompson sounds familiar to you, but he recorded you playing not too long ago. And he sent a video that he, uh, thought was pretty entertaining he, involving you. Uh, is that and, true? Uh, it is true. Yeah. We got an email. It was actually just earlier today. Somebody sent us an email. He was like, Hey, I see you have Tyson on the show. This is a, a clip that uh, you might find amusing. And we did find it amusing. And it's a pretty sweet behind the back shot. So, Eddie, I say we go ahead and roll that clip. Oh, a little behind the shot. Slick tricks. This is my specialty. This is called the Webby. Whoa, 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 wait a second here. You can't just name a shot after yourself unless you do it regularly during tournaments. Just who do you think you are, pal? Man, get out of here. <laughs> Yo, if you need some proof of why it's my signature shot, watch this footage. I love that shot. It sneaks a little too far to get your backhand on it. So you twist your body right. and pop it up that other way. I've had way cleaner, lower shots than that, that have just been like phenomenal, but I feel like we're kindred spirits. That's right. I love it. But I, yeah, I need, I feel like I need to update the, uh, the video of the Webby cause all of the shots I did were like super high pop-up shots. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily I like, I caught, I caught the opponent by surprise. So they were, they drilled it into the net, but I, uh, or they set up my teammate to, to put it away, but I've gotten a lot better at doing the Webby and keeping it lower. I know in, in those shots, it was pretty high up there. Yeah, not, mine was pretty high ideal, too, but I think mine was shallow. But nothing better than nailing that shot, keeping it low, and getting the point. It's such a satisfactory yes. shot. Love it. Yes, it's happened a few times. Because it does shock them, so, and you hit it because the ball goes all the way past you. And they're like, yep, got right. it. And then you hit it back like that. And a lot of times it does go in the net because they are completely caught off guard. So, wow, that's incredible. I've never seen that footage of me doing that. Yeah, so thanks, Brian, for sending us that footage. That was yeah, very cool. thanks, Brian. That was, at, uh, that was in Missouri. So oh, okay. that was at the tournament in Missouri that I played. Very nice. Uh, so yeah. other than pickleball, what have mm -hmm. you been up to since the most recent season of Survivor? Like what, what can we find Tyson Apostle doing in his free time other than, oh. uh, other than pickleball? <laughs> that might be a tough well, answer. <laughs> yeah, pickleball. Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, usually after you're on a season of Survivor, you kind of make the rounds physically and, you know, make a lot of appearances and do stuff like that. But with this year being as unique as it is, 
I, we've kind of had to think outside the box a little bit and do more virtual style stuff. So I meet with fans virtually. I've been selling uh, merchandise on my website, tysonapostle.com. Uh, uh, I celebrate nature because uh, nature is pretty awesome. I don't know if you know about nature, but it's pretty cool stuff out there. And uh, I've always been a fan of wildlife. So I'll share videos like that. Uh, on the pickleball front, you know, just more playing, more content. I'm trying to, you know, figure out some content and different ways to uh, create content that hasn't been done. I don't know if you've seen my POV footage of pickleball where I wear a camera on my hat while I'm playing. Uh, but that's pretty fun. It's first person. Then you don't even have to play. You can just watch me play feeling like you're the one playing. There we um, go. Nice. And then... Uh, yeah. And then coming up later, uh, I will be attending some of the uh, uh, Gamma Pickleball Camps, the Never Stop Playing Pickleball Camps that they start next week. And uh, so I'll be, you know, I won't be at everyone, but I will be, you know, honing in my skills by attending some of those camps. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So I don't know. I got I, I got a lot of stuff going on. It's like too much stuff. Like for not having a real job, I spend like 80 hours a week not having a real job, which is a crazy <laughs> amount of hours wow. to spend not right? working, trying to figure yeah. out how to not work. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of content stuff uh, besides pickleball content and besides nature content. I do like uh, Survivor fan trivia on Twitch every week uh, with Boston Rob, and we do some other thing, fun things like that. So, we got other stuff cooking up uh, that's uh, not uh, – I can't talk about it yet, but just uh, keep your eyes peeled because when it drops, it's going to be really great. You're going to love it. Very nice. Love it. And uh, everybody tuning in live, uh, once we post this on YouTube and Facebook after the fact, we'll be sure to include any links to the things that Tyson mentioned down below. So you'll want to click on that to check it out. It's definitely great stuff. Uh, I follow Tyson in pretty much every – area that he mentioned uh, a lot of great content um but TikTok, man Tyson, you follow me on tiktok actually i don't i've i've haven't really gotten into tiktok yet my my oh, daughter's the future i heard are, yeah i mean i've seen my daughters and my wife are all constantly showing me tiktok videos i just am not personally on tiktok but i've seen a yeah. lot like i'm very familiar and i've seen a lot of tiktok things so i'm 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 hip to the the tiktok stuff <laughs> i just haven't okay. actually actively done tiktok <laughs> Yeah, I just joined just because you got to be a part of everything, kind of. Right. Oh, for sure. So, I agree. Yeah. But uh, man, this has been a super fun night. It's been almost two hours. I can't believe how fast that time flew by. Uh, we cannot like thank you nothing. enough, Tyson. It was, uh, I, I feel like we could easily talk for another two hours. Um, I know you you mentioned a lot of things that you're up to, but is there anything else you want to tell everybody as far as like the best ways to follow you or see what you're up to? Yeah, I mean, I'm my handle is at Tyson Apostle, my full name on Twitter, on Instagram, on my Facebook fan page, everywhere. I try to interact with uh, people as much as I can, and uh, uh, I am going to be uh, starting to advertise a little bit about uh, where I'm going to be when I'm playing pickleball, so that people can come meet up with me and play if they're interested. And uh, it doesn't matter what skill level you are, as long as you come willing and ready. I even have bags of paddles. So even if you don't have a paddle, you want to come play pickleball with me, that can happen. 
Very nice. And I will be one of those people that uh, that come to Arizona and play with you uh, for a future Good. installment of Webby versus everybody. So don't know exactly when, but everybody, you can expect that to happen at some point. And it's sure to be a great time. I've uh, I've played with a lot of very uh, high-skilled players. Uh, Dude, I have to pee so bad because of this. I have to pee so bad because of this. So oh, you guys take it for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, do you want to say goodbye right now? We can just say goodbye. Oh, he's already gone. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we've we've both been there though, where we're like right. literally, oh, yeah. about to pee our pants, sprinting yep. off of the. Well, it happened happened of to me like five minutes ago. Happened to me five yeah. minutes ago when uh, Eddie all of a sudden was on the screen instead of myself. That yeah. That's if you I'm ever doing. see us when like one of us is doing the main conversation, and the other person comes in. It's typically because the other person has to pee really <laughs> right. bad. And so I, I don't know if you guys know, but during the whole podcast, Webby and I, we have like a side chat going and we're, we're constantly trying to keep updated with each other's. And, and, and I think that we do a good job of that yeah. while maintaining the conversation, while managing the live stream, while looking at social media, it's like having your head on a swivel. And I feel like we do a pretty good job at it. Yeah. After almost 80 episodes, I think we finally learned a pretty good, uh, a good method of doing the show to where uh, our bladders don't explode during That's the show right. speaking of bladders, <laughs> how did you guys do that <laughs> you guys didn't finish your drink i finished it like an hour and a half ago and i've had to pee for the last hour and is that urine or is that the, beer th this is my second one but i did both webby and i have taken breaks we were just talking about yeah. that we have both taken pee breaks during the show so that's, what that's just that, that's how damn good we are we we can uh, seamlessly take piss breaks during the show <laughs> is that true it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, our power goes out. Like, yeah, we just, yep. it's like a seamless transition, man. Yeah. Dude, this is crazy. You guys are real pros. <laughs> I always just don't drink anything if I know I'm going to be on a podcast for a long time, but then you guys encouraged me to ingest <laughs> liquids. And right. so I did. And then for the last hour, I was just like, I just got to hold out for a little bit longer. And it's so unprofessional <laughs> of me. And I'm 41 now. So, you know, like, you got to pee more and all this stuff probably. And <laughs> right. so I was just like, I loosened my pants to give me a little extra. And then at that time when I told you I had to go, it was, I literally was like, do I pee in this chair I'm sitting in and just <laughs> not acknowledge it and then just deal with the mess after? Or <laughs> do I stop this great role we're on and run to the bathroom real quick? And uh, I opted right. for, the second, I don't know if it was the correct, uh, the correct answer, but that's what I chose. It, it was totally fine. We, Eddie and I are such professionals; we were able to make it work. So it was, it was seamless. It was totally fine. But I, I feel like I now, I now realize why uh, people do commercial breaks. I mean, and, and get sponsors. Maybe Eddie, maybe we should get a sponsor at some point. That way, we can have like a good designated pee break during the show. Play, play some commercials. Um, maybe maybe one of these days. Maybe one of these. Right, days. Can we so delve into what your there? pee breaks are happening? I mean, I can understand Eddie taking a pee break, but I feel like I've been face to face with Webby this entire time. <laughs> That's just it's amazing, isn't it? I've I've finished he, two of these. I've he's got, got a catheter in, actually. All right. Yeah. I so are to, we like? So you're like you know, making eye contact with me as you're somehow relieving yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy no man. comment you're such no a pro I, I, you're I, I, such a pro i can reveal my secrets i'm not gonna reveal my secrets dude <laughs> so awesome no <laughs> mad respect don't reveal your secrets i'm sure it's trademarked anyways and we don't want right? scott golden oh, yeah. boy to get a hold of any 
uh, proprietary so, uh, methods that we've got right? going on. Yep, Scott Golden yeah. always trying to trying to steal our trademarks. But sorry, Scott, we've got it all trademarked here. <laughs> sorry, Scott, you're gonna have to get a lawyer or bring a bag of cash if you want any of these <laughs> titles or methods. Right. Oh man, so, this was this was such such a fun night. Thank you very much, Tyson. Uh, it, very fun night, but it's going to go down in history as one of the uh, one of my favorite Eddie and Webby episodes, no doubt. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, but uh, unless you have anything else you want to reveal to the world, I think now is a is a great time to to part ways, if you will. No, I think I got everything everything out of there, and uh, uh, yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity. And uh, I don't even know what the saying is. Keep pickling. I just made that up. Do you guys have a sign off? Trademark. You have a trademark we, one. We- what is it? We do have a we do have an official sign off, but it's usually not until the guest leaves and and Eddie and I kind of chat. We kind of recap the episode to ourselves, and then we have a thing. Mm. So you'll you'll see you'll see in a few minutes. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah, I have nothing else other than uh, you know big thanks to Gamma for uh, taking a chance on me and supporting me in my pickleball journey that I have hopefully been able to share with uh, many newcomers to the sport through uh, all of my uh, mediums and uh, we'll continue to do so. So that's it. And thank you guys for your time and, uh, and for your support. I look forward to seeing you in person, Webby. Uh, And who knows, maybe we can get, uh, maybe we can, I don't know, we could uh, wager some uh, trademarked materials. If you bring Scott Golden with you, and uh, right. he has something right. trademarked that he would also like to wager on his end. And uh, we can uh, see who the number one pickleball personality is once and for all. There we go. I love it. I love it. We but can right now it's me because I have that trademarked <laughs> title. Right. Right now, right now it is you, but I'll see what I can do to take that from you. And uh, <laughs> Okay. You're going to try to. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yay. Webby versus everybody, yo. <laughs> That's true. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll put it out there for you. Nice. Well, very cool. Love what you're doing. And I uh, look forward to collaborating with you again in the near future. But uh, have a great night, Tyson. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Eddie. See ya. Yeah, thanks. All right. See ya. See ya. Oh, man. Wow. How fun was that? Dude, here, here's the thing about Tyson is that he he's such an easygoing guy. He's also super confident, but not in like an like an arrogant way. Uh, obviously, you can tell he's passionate about pickleball, and he's just doing what he can what he can to to drive the sport. And it just it is awesome. Like that was that was such a cool, just fun kind of interview. Uh, and he's also really easy to talk to. You know, he's it's. I, I thought it was great, Webby. I thought I thought you did a great job. Well, thank you. I, I I had a blast. Like I I loved talking talking to him. Like I I think it's very interesting. Like I'm a huge Survivor fan, so that was interesting. And then the fact that he's so passionate about pickleball, I absolutely mm-hmm. loved that fact. And it just I mean it's no secret. Anytime somebody in pop culture is into pickleball, I am all about it. It doesn't matter if it's uh, something that I follow. Like the Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like I I am not a big fan. Like I don't follow, like I don't watch their stuff, but my wife is a big fan and watches it. And I love the fact that they're, they're into pickleball also. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not like great at playing it. And the stuff that they've shown <laughs> on keeping up with the Kardashians shows that they don't really no. know how to play pickleball, <laughs> but no. just the fact that they give pickleball exposure. Yeah. I love it. 
But Tyson, he's on a whole nother level. Like he's mm-hmm. like like you said, four oh, four five level. He's very passionate about it. And uh and I like the fact that he admits like he doesn't really have a desire to to go pro at mm-hmm. pickleball, but I mean it's it's consuming his free time. He absolutely loves it just like us. And well, uh I, I love it. It it's a relatable thing. Like I I would love to get to the point to where I can show up on any court with any partner or any opponent and have the confidence in my game to know that I can hold my own. Right. And, and I feel like that's kind of what Tyson was saying. It's like, he wants to improve his game, but it's not necessarily for the, I want to go pro it's because he's got a passion for the game and he just truly wants to be able to go out there and perform at the best of his ability. No different than what I feel like he was doing with, his appearances in the TV show survivor or what he was doing with, with cycling. Like he, that's just, right. that's his mentality is just, I want to be the best. And I know that I'm speculating, but I do feel like he's carried that over into pickleball. And it's nice to see that that is, that's kind of his goal. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. And, and like you said, like he's, he's got like a, like a cockiness, uh, like this self-confidence level, mm-hmm. but it's like in a fun way. Like I, yeah. I appreciate it. And in, in, like we talked about earlier, he was considered a villain on, uh, on Survivor. But even like that first season where he did like all the scheming and plotting and stuff like that, like it was done in a very smart and intelligent way. And like I, I couldn't help but laugh every time he was on screen because he was like overly almost douchey to this one contestant on the show. Like he was talking about how there was like this fan favorite uh, female on the show and the fact that he was like just super arrogant and cocky and like the, the things that he said to her were like things that would make anybody else get pissed off. But like, it, it just, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, he was playing the game. I mean, the game survivor, it's, it's very mental. Like he said, like yeah. the mental part of it and the social part of it is the biggest part of it. Like, it, it not so much how good you do at challenges. It's how can you manipulate the other yeah. players on the game and how can you, uh, get people to do what you think they should do. It's just, it's, it's crazy. That's why I'm, I've always been a huge fan of survivor. There's like a, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a lot to it. There's a lot more to it than people think. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's a great show. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. I've seen every season that he's been on in survivor, which has been four times, which is pretty amazing. And uh, I just, I, it, it's awesome. I, I love the fact that he joined us when I read the pickleball magazine article with him in the magazine, I was like, the first thing I thought of is like, man, he would be an amazing guest on the show. And the fact that we actually got him on the show, like I, I can't believe it. And I absolutely love it. No, I agree. That was great. I had a great time reading the social media comments and kind of just hearing you guys go back and forth on that. And, uh, that was very enjoyable. So great job, Webby. Big thanks to Tyson again for joining and guys, that was episode number 79, which means there are 79 of you out there still watching. And guess what, Webby? What? We love them. We love you guys. Thank you so much for all of that. Stick around, though. We're going to be taking the stream down, and we're going to come right back with Dinking Around with any Webby, where we're going to have a special guest. We're going to talk about some good stuff. Yep. So don't you go anywhere, guys. And on that note, I'm Eddie. And until next time, this is Webby, not Eddie, signing off. See ya.